where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skill team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Skeptical of a report where the headline says Angels entertaining possible Shohei Otani blockbuster, and then you get into the actual story and it reads two executives with interest in Shohei Otani rated the possibility of he be, him being traded this way quote very slim and quote almost zero. A third said there's they're wanting something like your top four prospects end quote. All right, maybe they're listening to trades. I would be absolutely shocked if Artie Moreno greenlights a deal at the deadline before the end of this season. And with that, we go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to be joined by our friend ESPN's MLB insider. He's Kylie McDaniel. You can follow him on Twitter. He's at Kylie MCD. Kylie, we appreciate the time as always, man. We'll we'll open up with this. Should I even be entertaining the idea of Shohei Otani being traded at the deadline? Uh, not really. Okay. I, I, don't, I, I think your read is correct that like, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll see what's out there. If somebody wants to wildly, wildly overpay, that may make their job going forward, you know, easier to build around Mike Trout and you know, all that kind of thing. But yeah, this doesn't feel like something that's going to happen anytime soon. Do you think that the Shohei Otani thing is more real? Or excuse me, the Juan Soto. I apologize. We're getting all of these big names that are now available apparently at the deadline. Yeah, the guys on these trade value lists, you're like, well, he'll never be traded, but now they're all being thrown around. Like, I mean, he might be traded. Who knows? Yeah, the Soto stuff is way more real. And I think the reason it's more real is, A, turn down the biggest contract in baseball history. So, like, that's, that sort of puts you in unprecedented territory already, as his talent also does. And there's an ownership change coming at some point which also is like a thing that isn't normally in place. You, it, there's a, plenty of situations like this where a guy's a year or two away from, from free agency and he's probably going to leave and the team isn't competing. So you might want to trade him and they still don't do it. Um, but because of those other things, I think that that now puts you in a space where it sounds like you don't even have to like necessarily read and believe the rumors and the behind the scenes and executives say blank. Like there's enough weird stuff going on there that it seems like, oh yeah, they might actually do this. Kylie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely is it that Juan Soto will be in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform by Monday night? Ooh, I'll give you a percentage chance. So I'll say okay. it's 50% chance he gets traded, and I would say St. Louis is one of the three or four teams you'd say. Juicy. So that's, yeah, we'll say 5 to 10%. Wow. Oh, okay. Wow, that was a hard blow. Kylie, what do you think it would take? You, you know the prospects as well as just about anybody nationally. What kind of a package, and all of this is, of course, speculation, but just to give an example of what it could take prospects call-wise, what it takes to get a Juan Soto in your mind? 
So the the sort of math that every team and every sort of uh, analyst worth their salt begins with is a, a concept called surplus value. So to do like a you know a broad overview of what that means, let's say a player's on a one year deal and he's making ten million dollars, and you think he's a two win player, which is like an average everyday player. That guy is essentially worth twenty million dollars, or you know sixteen to twenty, depending on what you think a win is worth. It's usually eight to ten million. So that guy's making ten. Let's say he's worth eighteen. He now has a trade value of eight million dollars. And then a uh, thing that we've done at Fangraphs, which I now do at ESPN, is you can put a dollar amount on prospects as well. And often when there's a trade, like Chris Bassett was similar to the guy I just described, got traded. It was you know he has a surplus value of like eight million, and he got traded for a prospect that I had rated as worth seven million. Uh, and JT again, and a couple other lower level guys. So like the math ends up being pretty close in normal circumstances. Now, the reason I bring this up as like a starting point is with Juan Soto is obviously not a normal circumstance <laughs> because there's not a bunch of like generational 23 year olds entering their prime that have had MVP performance for four and a half years that come with two and a half years of um, control. So the reason that this breaks down is if you were to look at it, you'd say, who are the most valuable like trade assets the Cardinals have? It would be their top prospects and then the sort of young big leaguers like, you know, Nolan Gorman. And it would basically be like, name your four most valuable players, and that would start approaching the number or maybe equal the number of what this math would tell you Soto is worth. Now, the reason this is different is there's a bunch of market forces in play where you tend to round up on the player's actual sort of uh, paper value because there's no other players like this. Guys like this never get traded. You think it'd go up. Now some people think that the Nationals have to trade him, and everyone is like hesitant to get killed on like a you know um, a Herschel Walker sort of trade. So teams are going to be lowballing, and maybe you know the price goes down because everyone knows he has to trade. But then you also have a possibly irrational AJ Preller entering the fray, uh, who I think is probably the most likely to. So then it goes up. So there's all these sorts of things. You start at that uh, that that value, which uh, one website that does this baseballtradevalues.com has it at 177 million dollars. And the most valuable sort of trade assets that the Cardinals have are around 40 to 60, maybe 70 million to give you an idea. So you basically have to string together three of those guys at the very top. So like, you know, Walker, Mason, Wynn, Gorman, uh, those sorts of guys, you basically have to start with like two or three of them at least, and then probably keep adding. Kylie, if you were in the St. Louis Cardinals front office, would you even be considering the idea of trading for a Juan Soto? Are you only focused on starting pitching at this point? No, I mean, you have to entertain this because there is starting pitching available every, you know, six months at the trade deadline and then the off season. And you can always address those things. We've seen teams sort of patch it together with openers and whatever, like you'd like to always upgrade it, but everyone's always looking to upgrade it. And some team always wins uh, the world championship. Uh, but you look at Juan Soto and it's like, all right, we've got what looks like a hall of famer. that's 23 with two and a half years of control. This may never happen again in our entire lifetimes. Like, you have to take this seriously. And I know people, you know, my job is to tell everyone how good prospects are. And teams, I think, have, like, over-adjusted to where they are now, uh, you know, less likely to trade them than they should. But if you just sort of think rationally about this, like, all right, let's look at, you know, Gorman, Walker, and, you know, Mason Wynn, or, you know, whoever the guys are you're talking about. Uh, what are the odds that three years from now, when Jordan Walker will be Juan Soto's age, he'll have four and a half years of MVP level performance? Seems pretty low and actually mathematically impossible. So, you know, you should want to trade a couple of those guys to get, you know, Juan Soto. And the downside is you agree to a, you know, $600 million deal, and then he gets hurt for a year and you get nothing for one of those seasons. Uh, but with the extension, you're basically getting the rest of his career if you can do it, which I think would be sort of a prerequisite or, you know, some some conversation would happen with an understanding that we're in the right area. If you're going to make this trade, um, it'd be a whole different thing if you trade for him thinking we're getting two and a half years of this guy. Let's see what happens. Like that would be a whole different thing where I could then see somebody not wanting to sort of belly up to the bar and say, like, Ugh, we're trading our 
our four or five best players for a guy that we're getting two and a half years of that if one you know run to first base goes wrong, he's out for a season. Like that's that's kind of terrifying. I think that's what the Cardinals would do, Kylie. For what it's worth, like I. I would be pretty surprised if they ended up. Si- I, I it could happen because they've signed big contracts before, but they don't tend to be in the ten plus year range. They shy away from that more often than not. So, did, if I told you up front, like, "Hey, the Cardinals are doing this in the scenario that you mentioned of they're going to get the two and a half years, and then we'll see from there." Likely not going to be bringing him back. Does would that make you less likely to make this deal from the Cardinals' perspective? Yeah, because then you're in a pushing your chips to the middle and the scenario where it works is where you were pretty good, but not a world series winning team. And this guy puts you over the top and you win a title. Like if that doesn't happen, it will, when he leaves and you get like a comp pick and you lose three dudes or four dudes that are like, you know, top, top tier young players. And I would guess at least one of them will turn into a guy that you're going to feel bad that you're missing. And, you know, hopefully not more than that, but at least one of them will. It's then like, okay, well, you know, look at like what the Royals did, where they won a title and then lost the World Series the next year. It's like, all right, everything we did, being bad for five years after this, is worth it. If they didn't make the World Series those two years, it would look terrible, and I would imagine everybody would have gotten fired. Like, it's a very small margin, and it's hard to feel good about that going forward. Uh, whereas if you then say this is the, you know, the cornerstone of our franchise, we get the rest of his career, we'll pay him, I don't know, $50 million or who cares? We just want this guy? Then you can justify almost any cost at that point. Kylie, you're very familiar with a lot of the top prospects in baseball. Jordan Walker, we've not seen him play in person. We've seen the stats. We've heard all about him. What is your take on him? And if you're John Moselock, are you giving him up in a package by the deadline? Well, so the reason you would be okay trading him is he is big, like listed at 6'5", 220, uh, is not a slam dunk third baseman, which then makes him corner outfield first base. And he's a right-handed hitter, right-handed thrower. So that then sort of backs you into a corner a bit on, okay, well, what's this guy going to do at the plate? Now he's answered, you know, sort of every question. He's two years younger than the best prospects at double A. Like he's doing everything you want him to do. He's got massive exit velos. It's potential 30, 35 home run power. Uh, but the margin for error, I mean, see this talked about in the draft all the time, the margin for error in predicting a right-handed hitting, you know, corner guy without a huge defensive value is if you miss by a little bit, look at Andrew Vaughn, Spencer Torkelson, like first base only, obviously, but similar kinds of guys, you miss that by a little bit. And all of a sudden it's like, we got to send this guy to triple a. And he was just the number one prospect in baseball or the number one pick in the draft or the fourth pick in the draft or whatever it is. Like you can't miss by much on that. And so that would be the argument for putting him on the table. Again, like I said, if for him to do what Juan Soto has done in his career is physically impossible because Juan Soto was already in the big leagues at this age and was performing about as well as anybody has. Um, so at some point it's like easy to say, Oh, well, we'll you know, we'll headline a deal with him, of course. Uh, but then if it's for two and a half years of a guy that you then wait to see go to free agency, then it's much scarier where it's like, well, this guy, you know, could be, you know, Troy Gloss, like just sort of, you know, Chris Bryant, like pick all, they're all obviously very different players and Walker is unique enough. There's not a perfect comp, um, but you can just sort of imagine, you know, power hitting right-handed hitter uh, playing on a corner. Like you pick anyone you want. He has similarities with all of them. The other two guys that get talked about a lot in these conversations, Kylie, and we're talking to Kylie McDaniel of ESPN.com for another few minutes here on 101 ESPN are Mason Wynn and Nolan Gorman. Gorman, of course, we've seen a little bit more of because he's been up in the big leagues now for a month or so. And there's been the ups and, of course, the downs that come with being a young player who profiles the way he does in the big leagues. And then Mason Wynn, we saw in the Futures game where he threw 100 miles per hour across the diamond. And, of course, that gets everybody very excited. What are your projections on those two players in particular? So Gorman's a guy that I and most of the sort of scouting world have a lot of history with. Uh, I was actually working for the Braves when he was a junior in high school and I was based in Phoenix where he was. So I saw him a ton. Um, and I think there's a decent shot we would have drafted him if I was still working there at that time. <laughs> um, 
so, you know, he, he fell in the draft for like unclear reasons and looks kind of, you know, insane now in retrospect that he fell because like he just demolished the minor leagues after demolishing the entire, you know, um, draft summer. And is, you know, at various points is showing, you know, a little more swing and miss than you like at various points was, you know, more of a hit over power guy. He's sort of shown different elements of himself. Uh, but like the sales pitch there is this guy's going to hit 270 with 30 home runs and play third base and be, you know, like a great sort of clubhouse presence makeup guy that you feel comfortable projecting. So I think, I think you've probably seen a good bit of that so far in that he's played like a third of a season has already hit 10 homers and has struck out, you know, 32% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're getting that version of him where, you know, a couple of years ago, it was a little more like, Oh, why is he, you know, why, why is he making more contact and power? So that's, I think, easy to understand. Mason Wynn is much more exciting. I think I, I and everyone else had him as like a compensation to second round pick uh, when he went in that area in the draft and was seen as a, this is a dynamic talent, both on the mound and at shortstop, has all kinds of tools, is the twitchy athlete, all the stuff you want, but it was just sort of unrefined. And this year it went from, I wonder if this will work. Let's see what happens. Still a lot of good markers to, Oh, it's happening now. Like, uh, get on board. It's like the, the meme from The Office where everyone's just running out of the room. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. Everyone go. Like, it's happening now. And it's not just a guy that can throw like 102 from shortstop and also can throw 98 on the mound but doesn't do that very much. But he could. and has like a 70-grade curveball. Like, imagine a guy that's your starting shortstop that also has Wainwright's curveball but like doesn't really need to use it because he's playing shortstop. He's, like, he's that kind of talented. And it's kind of hard because he's still 20 and he's in double A. It's hard to kind of nail down exactly what he is. Like, he might be a top 10 prospect in baseball by the end of the year right now i have him in like the 20s and he started the year like 150 like he wasn't really in that conversation john mozalak made the comparison of jordan walker to albert pujols this season in terms of being the best hitter at his position how realistic is that comparison in your opinion well, it's another one of those tough ones where it's like, do you want to compare this guy to like a slam dunk Hall of Famer and like local legend and all that? Like, you don't really want to. But yeah, if you're going to say this guy's got 30 home run power and he's hitting, you know, young for the level and all that, like he's doing all the same stuff. Yeah. And like Pools, I don't think was seen as the, I mean, you guys probably know better than I do, but like when he came up, it wasn't like, oh, this guy's going to be like the answer to all of our questions. Like it wasn't like when Bryce Harper came up, it was like, oh, this guy should be pretty good. Let's see what happens. And you you're basically like, didn't play in the minors, Kylie. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, right, this guy's probably going to be pretty good, but like, oh, wow, like, I'm going to be telling my kids about this. Um, I wouldn't expect him to be that, but like, yeah, in the same way that like any any 18-year-old that goes in the top 20 picks is technically better than Mike Trout at the same age, like if you want to play that game, then like, yeah, he's on that trajectory. He, he, he could be that that's on the table, whereas for most prospects, that's not on the table. Final question that I've got for Kylie McDaniel here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Kylie, we've spent all of this time talking about the Cardinals prospects and then what the Juan Soto sweepstakes look like. Uh, the Cardinals have a big need for pitching right now, like a desperate need for starting pitching. If you were in Mo's shoes, who would be the pitchers that you would be targeting at this year's deadline, knowing who is reasonably available? Well, yeah, I, I guess Luis Castillo is obviously the big name, and it gives you uh, multiple years of control, and so it kind of answers some of those questions. I think he's generally the kind of pitcher the Cardinals um, tend to like. And I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about what, what, what is reasonable? What would you be willing to trade? Cause like, that's obviously like the big name and every year there's all kinds of second, third tier names that are available. But like, what, I don't know. Do you just want to try to get some, uh, you know, uh, Payante kind of guys and just try to patch it and see what, see what it works. Or, so, or do you want to try to go for one of the big fish? Oh, let's start here. I would be shocked. Absolutely shocked. If the Cardinals traded a big haul inside of the division, like after hearing kind of Mo's conversations on and off the record about this, I, 
would be very, very, very surprised if that ends up happening. Um, as for the guys that we've talked about, I mean, it's been all over the place, Kylie. I think you can make a case that they need somebody long term in their rotation. So we had the Pablo Lopez conversation, but they're apparently looking for a center fielder, which the Cardinals do not have available to them right now. Frankie Montes has been talked about. We've talked about Carlos Rodon or Nathan Avaldi if those guys become available. And we've gone all the way down to like, hey, what about like any of these rental guys or number five starters, Zach Davies types? Like it's been everywhere from the top end of the market to the bottom end of the market. So anything you want to throw out there, we're at least listening for. Yeah, I would. I, I would say uh, Rodon as a, I mean, he's got an opt-out that he's going to exercise. So it's a rental who's having a huge breakout year, basically was projected to be this guy since he was like 19 years old. And now he's like finally doing it uh, for a Giants team. That's like not squarely in the race. And I, I know I've read some things about how they may or may not want to trade him, but like, you know, tra- trading a sort of second tier prospect, not that win like Libertor a Walker kind of guy, but a second tier prospect for that guy, like that feels like the guy that will be the amount of impact you need. And you're not paying for multiple years of control but I, I don't think you rule out the idea that after he pitches in St. Louis, like maybe he'll want to hang around. Like that maybe gives you a slightly better shot of signing a guy like that going forward. And because he has a slightly spotty history, I think the trade value and the ultimate contract uh, will not be as big as it would be for a guy who's just as good as him right now, but comes with, you know, five years of being that guy like Luis Castillo does. Do you think they could basically trade a bag of balls right now for Noah Syndergaard? <laughs> if they take on the full deal? Well, I, I think I've stated I'm not in the in the situation where I think I can predict what the Angels are going to do at any given time. Touche. Touche. <laughs> Kylie, we appreciate the time. Like <laughs> we appreciate the time as always, man. This has been great to be able to catch up and talk about some of these hypotheticals. Hopefully by Tuesday, we've got some more firm answers on what's going to happen in this trade market. We wish you all the best moving forward, man. Yeah, and uh, I would also say uh, tune in to the trade deadline show on ESPN uh, 4 to 6. Uh, PM on the second. And when one of these crazy things happens, I'll be the one in the corner at the kids table, Jeff Passon shouting. I can't wait. That's going to be great. Kylie McDaniel. Always appreciate it, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. Peloton. Let's go. This holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.